Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The dropping with Dan Bardell. Hello, welcome to 1874. I'm your host, Dan Bardell. Here today, we have a drop in show, and I'm delighted to welcome fellow Aston Villa fan and football broadcaster. He's a journalist as well, not just a broadcaster, Sam Ty, to talk through a very it's not really a current topic, but something that's been on my mind for, for a while, Sam. I've been speaking to you about it in the week. You've done a TIFO, TIFO football video in, in, in recent weeks talking about Villa and how well they've done this season under Emery, how Emery's had to adapt. We've got slightly differing opinions on this. I think you're more 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 scared than me <laughs> of, of what's to come, more, more nervous. But I've been talking to you about the fact that I just think that Villa having these massive games on the horizon against traditional big six sides. They've got Spurs away, Manchester City at home, and Arsenal at home as three of the next four fixtures. With where Villa are placed in the league at the moment, the way they've been going, the home form, the form in, in general, I'm genuinely buzzing and excited for, for, for these games to see Emery test himself against the likes of Pep and, and Arteta, the teams that were top of the league last season and a, a top of the league this season. And I just feel like three of these next four games kind of get a marker of, of where Villa are at and, and how our Premier League season is going to go. Do you want to just talk at first a, li- a little bit about that, that TIFO video that you did and just why Villa are so impressive at the moment? Yeah, so I mean, Tifo asked me to to put together a video, and actually, initially, it was it was supposed to be about why Villa are so good at home, and then potentially why they they weren't quite so good away from home. That was kind of the initial brief. Like, why is there such a massive disparity? And obviously, away games are harder. Like we all know that. But why is there such a disparity? Why are they perfect at home? And why is it one point one seven points per game away? You know, you've got some big losses in there as well, albeit against really really good sides. Uh, at really tough venues. And then we kind of morphed it into something a little bit more positive, which the Villa fans, I'm sure, enjoyed. Uh, it's good to stay on the, the positive side, especially if you're TIFO right now, due to some chequered history over the course of the calendar year. <laughs> but um, what it ended up being was a bit of a celebration of Unai Emery and how he has managed to change the team in the face of the injuries that we're all talking about and have been talking about for the last three months, which is there's no left side. Tyron Mings went down in game one, Emi Buendir on the eve of the season. How amazing is it that with four, let's go three key players and one 
important player in Buendia. I'm sure Buendia quite, quite counts as, as key, but still an important part of the team. How impressive is it that without those four people, Unai Emery has managed to just completely reimagine this team um, and change it and not skip a beat, really. You know, stay in touch with that with that top order. It's really, really impressive. So that's the video. If you like nice things about Villa, you will, you will like the video. <laughs> um, and obviously working with John McKenzie at TIFO, John then went on and spoke to Dan Rollinson, obviously the Claret and Blue pod. So it's been a bit of a, a merry-go-round of ideas here on Villa over the course of the international break. I think we're all roughly on the same page now. Villa are good. We've established that. How good they are, next four games might tell us, as you say, Dan. Yeah, it's worth saying that you and I, we, we do Who Scored Weekly Premier League Preview podcast, and you can always tell when a, when a team is flying under the radar because they probably don't come up in those kind of podcasts often. And Villa were winning games, yet really in our Premier League preview, we weren't focusing on Villa, but over the last month or so, which we enjoy because we're, we're Villa fans, we've been able to talk about Villa a little bit more. It has felt probably since that West Ham game when Villa won 4-1 and that was the only game on TV that day. It has kind of felt like Villa have been catapulted more into the into the mainstream now and more people uh, are talking about us. And that it kind of adds a, a different type of pressure to, to the players. It adds a kind of a different element to our jobs, actually, as, as well, when Villa aren't flying un, yeah. un, under, the, under the radar. But... Over recent weeks, do you get that flat, that feeling as well that Villa have kind, kind of got noticed that little bit more? Yes, I definitely noticed it because suddenly I got like three requests in the same week to do something on Villa, uh, you know, from three different publishers. And that, that's how you know, right? So everyone's obviously sat there. The editors have looked at, at what, you know, what's doing well, uh, what people are interested in, what's, what's ticking in the world of football. And everyone's come to the same conclusion. Villa, Emery interesting Mm. look at what they're doing and so suddenly i get all the requests which is great i love doing it it's brilliant um but do you know what i think we might have david moyes to thank for that because not only were west ham really poor on the day uh, and that's one way of looking at it and west ham like for for all that villa were very good in that game that you've just mentioned west ham were atrocious um David Moyes went into that post-match press conference and do you remember the, the comments that he made you know he started saying i hope i'm not disrespecting them um, but I think Villa are just below that that top, top tier. You know, he's then referring to sort of Man City and Arsenal and he's like, I really do put Villa in that next tier down. You know, yeah. He was very, very overtly complimentary of Villa. And those quotes went the distance on social media. People read those quotes. People saw that interview. Moyes was kind of distracting you from the fact that West Ham were awful on the day. But what he said was not untrue. And I think actually he started the snowball rolling down the hill there. I think it was not just a performance, but he was so complimentary of Villa after that game that people really started to take notice. So thanks, David Moyes. I got loads of work this week. (laughs) People are kind of noticing as well. I think I've heard this said more in the mainstream media in in recent weeks, but realistically, Emery now isn't isn't really doing anything different in terms of results to what he's done the whole time he's he's been at Villa or certainly the calendar year twenty twenty three anyway. Yeah. This is this isn't a new thing. Villa ended the season absolute in absolutely stunning form and finished a point behind Brighton in seventh. And Brighton were the media darlings of the whole season. And Villa gave them a, a twelve game head start in, in essence. So Emery isn't really doing anything different now to what we've been doing in the, in the whole calendar year 2023 in terms of, of churning out results. But what I found interesting from from your video that, that you did, and it's something that I've spoke about on here as well, is Villa line up essentially with a 4-4-2 off the ball, 
every single game. That that doesn't change. But Emery just finds these subtle tweaks for different games or he'll play in a slightly different way, press in, in a slightly different way. In recent weeks, we've seen, for example, Kamara has been the one that's dropped back into the back three and the fullbacks have, have gone very, very high. So although Villa always line up with that 4-4-2, Emery makes Villa so hard to play against because of those subtle changes that he does game on game. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's the mark of a good manager, isn't it? Well, no, it's the mark of an, of an exceptional manager, really, who's able to take you know, the start of Villa's season and those first six games and probably take that international break after the 3-0 loss to, to Liverpool and go, OK, how do I fix this without changing too much? And obviously, I'm outside the transfer window. It's not like I could just go and buy three new players. Like a lot of managers turn to the window, right? And they're like, um, OK, well, I've got injuries, so I need to go and buy that guy and that guy and that guy. And Emery's like, OK, look at what I've got. I don't want to change my base formation, but I can tweak things when you're in settled possession. And I can move Camera back into the back three and I can push John McGinn a bit further up and and ask him to do what Camera had been doing in the first few games in terms of pushing high and trying to trap players in. It turns out McGinn's much better at that and Camera's really good at covering the right channel. So yeah. just gauging two players' skill sets and understanding what they're good at and where they can be placed on the pitch to help them succeed... And all the while, you're still defending in a four-four-two. So, you know, to me, it's the mark of a, of a seriously good manager. And like, I don't say that lightly because while Pep Guardiola is presumably the greatest manager of all time, and yes, he basically reinvents the wheel every six months and changes his team completely, um, there aren't actually that many other managers that you would put in that top bracket that I think are as good as Emery at this thing that we're talking about, this ability to tweak and reinvent. Yeah. And even someone like Jurgen Klopp, I think, really struggles with this. It takes him a very long time to figure out what to change once what he's already been doing has kind of been figured out. And I mean, that's not to say that Emery is a better manager than Klopp, but like in this specific area, Emery is one of the kings among his peers. Yeah, I, I completely that I agree with that. I take on board with what you're saying because City last time, start, last season, sorry, they started to stumble. A little bit. Cancelo left, and you were like, "What's, what's going on here?" You know, they, they haven't got a left back. And then quite often they'd line up with four centre backs, and Pep just made that work. And like you say, reinvented the way that Manchester City play. Even that Kamara to to right centre back, you know, quite surely it's easier to just drop him into the middle of a back three, and then the Concer and Pau Torres go wide. But even that, there must be—I don't know what the reason is. There must be a reason why he has him as a. As, as a right centre-back and doesn't drop him into the middle, but it is those little subtle changes, those subtle nuances that completely separate Emery. And, you know, we did our Who Scored podcast week before last, on in, before the international break, you, you weren't on it. And the task was to come up with the top five Premier League managers. And obviously there's a bit of bias from me because I am a Villa fan, but <laughs> I did put him third because take out, take out uh, Pep and Klopp. I genuinely believe, if you just look at what he's done in his career, he is, he is the third best manager. You look at the, the trophy count, the trophy hall that mm. he's got and how he's took clubs probably. The, I don't think the size of Villa, but clubs that aren't really supposed to, to win trophies in, in, in their leagues and in Europe and that, and he's made, made them do it. And I just think he's going to do that with, with Villa as well. I think we're going to be in for a really successful few years. How how far do you think Villa can go under Emery? Because I don't think that's anything me and you have ever spoken about. Stealing. Uh, do you mean this season or do you mean generally? Well, I suppose this season and, and and in general. Yeah, I mean this season's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's so much so much of the season depends on, you know, what the, the league situation in March is, right? Yeah. Um 
because there's going to be this big decision to make. Like, let's assume that, that Villa finished top of the group in, in the Conference League. Um, like, clearly, clearly they're going to go through to the knockout stages. You know, either way, nine points, nine points, and three and three. Like, Azel Alkmaar are done, right? So, um, if we beat Legia at home, probably going to finish first. It means we don't have to come back into Europe until March, I think, round of 16. If you finish second, you have to play the playoffs. So you go back in in February. It's a huge advantage. Yeah, that's big. To, to win the group. Like, just two, I know it's only two games, but just like, after that Christmas period, you know, after that crunch, it's like 11 game weeks between December the 1st and like end of January. Um, you just want to be, you want, you want to take February for domestic stuff if you can. What's, what shape are Villa going to be in at that point? You know, have they managed to avoid all the injuries? Um, are the tweaks that Emery's currently using still working, you know, or has he had to reinvent again? You know, all, so many variables and, and we can sort of get into them with Spurs and City and Arsenal coming up, but it, it really depends on, on the shape of that top four chase depend you know in march um we've we've already clashed philosophically on is it better to finish in the top four or win a trophy this year you took the top four and i, and I took the trophy i'm still not convinced i'm right <laughs> because yeah, it's, it's because one. because when you've got it all on the table it's really hard to start picking um maybe that choice is made for us when it comes to march but really the limit oh there is there is kind of almost no limit here for, for emery this season at least um Beyond, obviously, we're not going to win the title, are we? Um, so, um, like, who, who knows? Like, Why not? Sir? Yeah, well, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, fourth, fourth, fourth could be on the cards. A trophy could be on the cards. I would take either. And then longer term, I mean, look, Villa—they're building the whole club around him. Exactly. Yeah, it took took all took all his old scouts off Betis. Took Monchi off Sevilla to put him in, you know, in tandem with him. They just done a deal with his family club in like the, you know, the regional leagues of Spain. Do you see that? Unai Emery's like, oh, I family. I haven't seen completely bypassed me. Family, like he, his family own a club in in the Basque country, and they're in like the fourth or fifth league league in Spain. Um, they've had a, a partnership with Real Sociedad. They're severing it, and 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 they're starting one with Villa. You know. Like I didn't know that. I mean, this is genuinely just like it's getting a bit ridiculous, isn't it? How attached he is. They're, they're trying to sew him into the furniture. They're trying to trap him. <laughs> they, yeah, know, yeah. they know how good he is, and they're like, we need to do literally everything we can to keep this guy around. Which is why, obviously, when you see the stuff like, oh, Man United might be interested, doesn't know. bother me one bit. You know, it's, it goes deeper than that. Emery yeah. knows he's in a great spot. He's found the right spot for him. Yeah, exactly. We'll come on to talk about the forthcoming fixtures. Villa obviously have got three very big games in the, in the next four. I mean, they're all big games, but Villa are playing three of the traditional top six in their next four games. But before we get on to that, and we'll talk about Sam's beard as well, because there's been a lot of a lot of comments about his beard <laughs> in, in the chat. Let's just hear a little bit from our sponsors, NordVPN. If you guys are getting fed up with missing live football, then our new show sponsor, NordVPN, might be able to help you out. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device including your laptop, mobile and smart TV. If you want to watch, let's say, some US content, it allows you to appear like you're in that country. And while you're connected, no one can find out what you're doing including your internet service provider. The service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty dab handy. A part of NordVPN supporting 1874, the Aston Villa channel, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free, which also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to www.1874.io forward slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details will also be in the description. 
And as always, we are truly grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight. But if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help us to keep the channel running. Let's talk about the subject then that Gaz Oak's pretty much alone, actually, has been the person that's been talking about your beard. A lot of love for it, Sam. You need to have this beard at the start of the season. When we were first doing podcasts at the start of the season, you, you didn't have this beard. Is there a there a reason for the, for the, for the growth? Uh, not really, mate. No. Um, it, as, as, as is normal, they, they do grow day by day. So uh, yep. at one point I did not have a beard and then I didn't shave and then it grew. Uh, so that's how these things work for anyone that didn't know. Um, <laughs> it's been about three months since I shaved. I make a very stupid joke sometimes that, um, I'm growing something in solidarity with my wife who is currently pregnant. So she's growing a baby. I'm growing a beard. Even Stevens doesn't go down that well, that joke actually. Um, Funnily right. enough, you'd have had to have been doing the nine months, really, wouldn't you? You've, you've not, you've not gone all in with that. I well, let's say. not, let's not rule it out. Like no, you know, true. I've got time. Yeah, I've got yeah, time. time. We'll see. I've always wanted to grow one, mate. I, I just it was too itchy to shave, and I finally, finally got through that that dodgy stage, and here we are. It was probably the best villa biased bird I've seen since Yedinak. I can't, oh, no, no, no. I can't think of another one. Correct me in the comments if I'm if if I'm wrong. I can't think of a hotter. Hotter had a good beard. No, not not yours though. Oh, he he did have a good beard. Mate. I don't know. I've erased him from my memories completely. Did he even? In my mind, I can't even see that that, that he had a beard. I if I saw him in the street, I wouldn't know what he looked like. <laughs> I don't think. I just can't can't remember him at, at all. Other than him getting an assist for Wesley against Everton, that's the only thing I can uh, I can remember about him. But yeah, best preseason player I've ever seen, mate. Unbelievable. Yeah, lots, <laughs> lots, lots of love for your beard. In, in the comments, even asked how how often you brush it. I bet you don't. The beards are not the best. People don't actually look after them that well and don't, don't brush them. Do you brush yours? I try to remember to, but yeah, it must be once every three days or so because I just forget. Okay, fair enough. Let's move away from Sam's beard then and talk to all that. Sniff Rat says, not a fan of beards, but that is a good one. Mm. I'll tell you what, Sam, real morale booster for you. You were a bit of low confidence before you came on. The justification for the for the beard here is, is full force. I urge you to go back and look at the YouTube comments after after the show, Sam. I will. And Sounds see what great. People are saying. Let's talk about the upcoming games then because as I said at the start, I'm genuinely buzzing that Villa have these kind of games coming up because, you know, the Villa, Villa are, are churning out results in particular at, at home at the, at the moment. You could argue they're teams that you would expect Villa to beat, but I think that's that's disrespectful because over the years we haven't beat those kind of teams <laughs> often enough, often enough, in my opinion. But but we are now. But it's these games will be the acid test. The next the next one is obviously Spurs on Sunday. Great time to play Spurs in my opinion, with mm-hmm. the injuries and the suspensions racking up, lost a couple of games in the row. They might be a little bit vulnerable, whereas, you know, if we'd applied them a few weeks ago, they were full of confidence. That's probably a harder game. We went there and won last season, albeit it was a different manager and a completely different Spurs. But, you know, we're further along in, in our evolution now. That's an exciting game to come back to after the international break, in my opinion. Yeah, we've got good recent memories, haven't we, of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because we were the ones that spoiled the party when they finally got a few fans in. Do you remember in the COVID season? Yes. Second to last game of the season, it maybe, or, or it wasn't quite the final one, but um, Grealish, last year. Yeah, Grealish had, had finally got back into the team and obviously needed to get back into the Euro squad and uh, they were all playing for him as well. You could tell like they all wanted to make sure that he put on a good show that he could get into the into the, uh, into the the squad. Watkins scored... Um, you know, the 2000 fans that were allowed in, you know, they were still basically had never been to their own stadium. Um, and we absolutely ruined it. And then New Year's Day this year, obviously, 
2-0 was a, a massive turning point game. Great performance. Again, was absolutely ridiculous, having been really quite poor. Obviously, a lot of them had under Gerard, but he was looking a bit lost, wasn't he, McGinn? Um, through sort of October, November, and that was the big I'm back performance from him. So I don't dread this fixture uh, in a way that, I, I, admittedly, I used to dread going to White Hart Lane. Um, that that place was, was really horrible for us. And I'm just going to conveniently put Newcastle to the side for a second um, and just say that this this one feels a bit like a best of the rest battle right now. You know, we're really sizing these two teams up. We've obviously got this this title-chasing pack of City, Arsenal and Liverpool. I think they're justifiably the best three teams in the league. Yeah, I'd agree and with then, that. And then there's a line and then it's like, all right, what else have you got, Premier League? And Spurs and Villa are in this little category and they get to play each other right here. As you said, turns out that uh, two weeks in football can make a hell of a difference. And, you know, with no Madison, no Van der Ven, no Romero, no Bissouma. And recently there's been a couple of issues with Udogi. 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 And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Vicario, I think, got a bit of a knock on international duty. I don't, I don't expect him to miss the game. But Charlatan injured as well. Charlatan's had surgery on, yeah. I think on his, I think it was his, pubic bone yep. so he's he's done for a few months as well um i don't know how much of a problem that is for them to be fair based on his Not early sure. early season form like brennan johnson has been much more lively so yeah good time to play them and presumably this is a good setup for some of our most important players so you look at the watkins and diaby combination and obviously the space that spurs tend to leave him behind if we if we're going to take Ange at his word Spurs will play their way regardless yeah. of personnel. So Ollie Watkins and Musa Diaby are about to play against a super high defensive line of Ben Davies and Eric Dyer. So obviously there's still lots of things to negotiate in this game and Benton Kerr probably comes in and you know he's very, very good in midfield. Um, but there's a real opportunity here for this simple ball over the top to be Villa's killer weapon. You know, Torres or Douglas Louise can get their head up and play that ball, which we know they can. And Diaby and Watkins are surging in behind. This one sets up quite nicely for us. Yeah, because away form's been not, it's been patchy, let, let's say. When our home form's so good, you, you almost might not notice it in some ways because generally we, ju- we just win every game at home. But even if the away form was anywhere near the home form, we would be top. Half, yeah. realistically. <laughs> you know, the, point, the points all considering the away form has been patchy. Yeah. He's a joke. I know, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, if we'd have won all our games, we'd be top. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it is that simple, but I think you, you take, take my point that, you know, only one more away win and where where would we be in the league? You know, we're, we're already close to the top. Yeah, 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 just one more. There's been a couple of bad ones, hasn't there? This is this is a really good chance as well, coming out of the break, away from home, to actually try and set that record straight a bit because obviously we've been way worse away from home. Um, but those that point out to me, you know, when I say that and people say, well, we have... We have played Liverpool away and, you know, we have played Newcastle away. They're two of the toughest away fixtures. That is a fair point. This is a yeah. very small sample size of games we're talking about. Well, we've played five, six, six away games, right? Six home, six away off 12 games. And two of those are two of the hardest ones. So, yes, that that is a factor. And this is an opportunity here to go to one of the better teams in the league, albeit in a slightly bad moment, but still one of the better teams and sort of show show everyone that that we can play away from home too. The number one factor here, Dan, is don't concede in the first six minutes. Yeah. Just just stop starting the game so poorly and so slow. And I know that some of it's circumstantial, but 
there's this weird moment of Forest, and I know obviously like five minutes in we've conceded, but even before the goal goes in, we get the ball sort of we clear the ball and it, it sort of finds its way to Ollie Watkins, who's got pulled wide left to pick up the ball. He's in his own half. He's got the opportunity there to turn and just run and probably get 30, 40 yards before anybody actually interacts with him and really turn that into a transitional attack. And he didn't really do anything with it. He sort of checked back on the ball, sort of diverted back inwards, passed it to Louise, and we sort of recycled possession and moved into that, you know, 4-4-2 into 3-5-2. And I thought, why didn't we just go for it? And I don't know if there's a mentality thing here where they're just trying to trying too hard to get to get an early grasp on the game away from home in the same way that we do at home. But there was that little moment there where I was like, why didn't we go for the jugular? What's going on here? What's going on with the starts in these games? What's going on with the mentality of these players heading into away fixtures? Like, what, I know what none of us can give you the answers, right? We, we just don't know. But it just feels like such a difference in, in the level of belief going home and away. So this is the first thing to fix for Spurs. Yeah, I mean, we beat Burnley and, and Chelsea. The Liverpool and Newcastle ones, I kind of think we were evolving as a team at that yeah. point for and adapting to the fact that we had lost some players. I don't think Paul Torres was supposed to come in at left centre-back Never that early on in the season. The plan would have been to play him left-back and merge the back three in that way with Mings and Konza in, in there. So we kind of got got away from our original plan through no fault of our own at the start of the season. And Emery has adapted like we spoke about earlier and, and, and made those subtle changes. Forest was a tough game, but in hindsight, you know, actually they've only lost to, I think it was City and Liverpool this calendar year. Yeah, they're very good at home. At home. So, yeah, that's a, that's a tough game going to Forest. And we got off to a bad start in both halves and we, you know, we deserve to lose that game. And, and we lost. But I just think this Spurs one next, that's a, a good fixture. I think, I, I know it sounds stupid, they're a good team. Mm. I think it, that will just suit... You know, last, I remember last season tweeting a load, Unai Emery's away day villains, because we were going to places and playing the way that you were just talking about and winning. I think that's perfect for us in this next game. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's, it's one that I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to. Uh, and it does, and we are set up really nicely for it. I think, especially with the absences, but either way, just like the way Spurs try to play football, I think Emery has already shown us that he has an antidote for yeah, that. Yes. So like, you still need you still need execution on the day. You still need things to go right. Like, this is not us sitting here going, right, well, Villa are going to beat Spurs because the tactical matchup is perfect. It's really good. But Watkins needs to finish the one-on-one. Diaby needs to stay on side. All that stuff needs to happen. And you need to accept that, like, Son's having a wicked season. You know, Brennan Johnson is electric. It's going to be difficult at points here. Kuliseski's an amazing ball-carrying winger. He's a brilliant players. Like, this to me, I don't know if it's a win, but, like, I'm thinking that, I'm thinking it's, like, a proper kind of, like, maybe someone wins 3-2. Like, genuinely, it could, it could be really that open and really that evenly contested. And that's why, I guess that's why I'm, I'm really excited. Um the other two that come after that in the home games, this is going to maybe sound weird. I wonder if this is a hot take, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. I'm more nervous about the Arsenal game than the City game. I'm not nervous about either of them. Okay. Right, they're, not so, free, they're, like, they're not free think, in the in the sense of, you know, oh, whatever happens, happens. Because I actually think we're so good at home. This is what I've wanted to see us play one of the, some elite opposition at home to see how far we have come in the atmosphere will be absolutely unbelievable at both those games. I suppose it's not ideal playing on Wednesday, Saturday in, in, in a row. No, that's, that's probably not, not ideal. Tough one on the legs. Uh, so, okay, so I'll rephrase that. Maybe right, let's take nerves out of it. I think Arsenal is the tougher game, hmm. even though City are the better team. 
I haven't quite been able to put my finger on why that is, apart from the fact that Arsenal defensively have been really, really difficult to play against this season. They've lost a bit in attack, but defensively, they've actually been probably the best team in the league this season. And and any team that can hold City to 0.5 XG in a game and overcome them without Saka, I'm like, okay, you got lucky with the winner. But the fact that you held them to that little, I was very, very impressed. And all through the season so far, with the, with the introduction of Declan Rice in midfield, it's really tough sledding to play against Arsenal right now. And I just, I just look at the matchup and think, City, you still need to be perfect on the day to win it. But you know that you can beat City because they leave the spaces. And if you, if you execute in the right way, you can get them. It still needs to be perfect, but you can get them. I'm actually looking at Arsenal and I'm thinking, ooh, I don't know how Villa get at Arsenal, which I didn't think I'd be sitting here saying. I guess in my mind, I'm just thinking, obviously there's the Emery factor. It's, it's against his old team. I think back to that game last season and we lost. I remember being sat there thinking we were quite plucky losers in that game. I thought we played really well, played some lovely stuff, and I could see what Emery wanted us to do, and he, he kind of executed it in that game, albeit we we lost. But I sat there thinking we're going to be something under this manager. I can I can just tell that was, and that was the game. You obviously do a pod with Greg every 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 week, and he said that game was the turning point for Villa because they didn't hold on to possession, they didn't look after the ball, and Emery berated them mm. afterwards. And he was quite scathing actually, Emery, in his post match. That day, I get what you're saying. In some ways, Arsenal will be the harder game, but in my mind, I think that's the kind of thing that Emery relishes, and I'm just backing to come up with something, come up with a slightly different way of of, of playing, and to try try and, and and stifle them. We think of like Newcastle came to Villa Park, and they were riding high at the, at the time. They won five in a row. I think we blew them away. Yeah, I think of Brighton coming to us. You know, no one's beaten Brighton six one in in in, in recent. You know, actually, I've just remembered Everton. Tonked them at, at one point last <laughs> season, but generally, no one stuffed Brighton and completely outplayed them and kind of played them at their own game. Mm. The, the way we did, I almost feel like we will just think and we'll just come up with something and say, "Well, we'll just we'll just go toe to toe with you, Arsenal," because I I believe as a manager that I can come up with something that's equally as effective as what you're going to come up with. That's the one I'm actually looking forward to more the Arsenal game. I'm looking forward to it because I think it, I think it actually will tell us more. It will tell us more than Spurs will. It will tell us more than Man City will because City City is is a black and white outcome. Like basically, either it doesn't go right and you get you get pretty handsomely beaten, but it's no big deal because it's the best team in the world. Or you play a perfect game and you manage to break them. You manage to break through, hold on, and execute at the other end, and you get the win. But it's still such an isolated result and performance, right? Because it's such a specific matchup that it doesn't, it's, it's an amazing bonus three points if you get it, but it doesn't tell you that much. But if Villa can actually break through against Arsenal and, and start to actually create chances against that team and contain Bukayo Saka and all those things and actually win the mid- midfield battle against Declan Rice, I feel like that would be more instructive. And that's kind of like, the, you know, how you started this and you know the, the opening sort of talking point for this run of games was like, this is going to teach us a lot. This is going to show us a hell of a lot about where Villa are at. That's why I'm looking at this Arsenal game and I'm thinking we are going to learn the most from the Arsenal game than we will in basically any other game during the stretch. Yeah, it's, you know, they're both huge, huge games. You know, I always look as a football fan. All of us are probably the same. Absolutely adore the Christmas period. There's so many games, you know, you, you're under the lights most of the time as well. Even if you're kicking off at three o'clock on a on a Saturday, you know, you, you're pretty much under the lights because it gets so dark in, yep. in, in this country. Now, it's, it's a really exciting period. And with us just being such a good team now and taking on these, 
we haven't had a I might be I might be wrong, we haven't had a what you know what you'd say is a, a big game at Villa Park so far this season. We haven't taken on any of the, the bigger teams at Villa Park. And to the, me, best, the best we've had is the first European game, right? Yeah. That was that was the first one. So it's it's very special and it's the the, the Europa anthem and yeah. it's under the light. That's an anthem, by the way. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah, sure. Um but obviously, yeah, that's that's probably it because the six the six league games that we've played at home have been against, you know, teams that are worse than us. Even uh, in the run last season actually, you know, we beat Spurs, we beat Brighton. Mm. But it wasn't it wasn't an Arsenal, it wasn't a wasn't a city. We ju- we just haven't had the, those fixtures. So I'm just I just really am intrigued to see how far we've come as a team and as what, a football club. What we actually had was Emery's first game, which was Man United at home. Yeah. So the first yeah. the first win since 1995 at Villa Park. Yeah. And that was that was a 5.30, I think. Um, it was definitely dark. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. Was I think it might have been a Sunday, four four thirty possibly. Um, yeah, that was a that was that was dark. <laughs> it's amazing how we we definitely equate like the big game to were the lights on. Yes, oh, or the no? lights on. It's not, it's, not, it's not a big. You could be playing Real Madrid, and if the lights aren't on, it's not a big game. <laughs> but that's it. So when you start talking about that, my mind's like, I think it's literally Emery's first game. Yeah, we so we're talking I, about a year ago. We haven't played any of the traditional big six since we. I would say we've adapted to what Emery wanted, and we've become this really good football team. Mm. We haven't played a traditional big six team at home. Correct me again. Correct me in the comments if if, if I am wrong. I, I can't think of a, a Spurs. Obviously Spurs, but they were crap last season. Yeah, I know. We were them. I mean, it's the Arsenal them. game, obviously, but you know. Yeah, this yeah. is it's kind of nice to have Arsenal within that run because you've kind of come full circle, mm. haven't you? And it just really, I'm just really, really intrigued, and I'm really, really excited. And I guess the other thing as well is, you know, we've talked about injuries at the at the, at the top of this show. We're starting to get players back now. Mm. As well, you know, Mariana will be back. We don't. We'll know more about Ramsey. I think in in Emery's press conference, you know, he could be back as well. You know, you're hearing about Ming's making progress this week as as well on on social media. So we're starting to get some players back as do well. We, do we actually like? Do we know? Like, we know Emi Buendia has torn his ACL. Do we know that Tyron Mings has torn his ACL, or do we just have a serious knee injury? Like, do we actually have a designation on it? I think there was, but I can't remember what because it is. I'm the, not cl- the club but... obviously the club get very, you know secretive around this stuff. Uh, Villa always have been, haven't they? They've been very vague on injuries and things like that. Um, but, it, you know, Mings, I was looking at the picture of him and I'm no medical expert either, but I was looking at the scars on his knee and I was thinking, hmm, I'm not sure if you have the injury I thought you did. Um, obviously, we're not expecting Mings to be a factor in this run, but I was going to ask you, like, do you think we'll see Moreno? Presumably, yes. He's just done an under twenty ones game, right? Yeah, he'll be so... back. He'll be he'll be getting minutes, won't he? I think he'll probably be coming on at first. And in fairness, you know, I've, I was critical of Luca Dean at the start of the season, but he's mm-hmm. been good. He has has been good, Luca Dean. He, the things I was criticising him for, he's, he's cut out of his game. The well, uh, hopefully he's cut out of his game. Hopefully I don't see it on on Sunday now. Now mm-hmm. I've now I've brought it up, but you know, but he's the only him and McGinn are the two where I feel haven't really ever had a rest. They've played. They've played every game. Just be good to have that other option over the busy period as well. Because Moreno really transformed the way Villa attacked last season as well. I really miss him. I do. I, I know that Luca Dean's been. He's been good, serviceable to good. I still get frustrated with him though, right? Like, so there's these moments where you'll be watching. You'll be watching them like. I don't know. You'll be in the stadium and you'll see that Zaniolo has the ball, right? He's been probably passed the ball by by Paul Torres. He's facing the opposition goal. And he's looking to his left 
and he's waiting for Luca Dean to make this this left sided run up the flank so that he can play the ball through to him, like into his path. And Luca Dean is stood like level with him, like waiting for him to pass the ball to his feet because Dean's not very fast, is he? Not that he's, kind of player, he's, and he wants the ball to his feet so he can cross it. Whereas Moreno wants the ball. If you play the ball forward, Moreno will chase it and get it. And like Zaniolo, like is kind of looking to his left. I can see him doing it, and he's like, "Why aren't you making the run?" And Luca Dean is looking back at him like, why haven't you passed me the ball yet, dude? And I just, I keep looking at the scenario and I'm like, put Moreno in this situation. And just, it's, it opens up for Zaniolo in particular. Like, I haven't been particularly impressed with Zaniolo. I have to admit, like, I wish he'd scored a goal. The longer it's gone on, the more painful it's got. He's been okay, but I had higher expectations for him. I genuinely think that if we get that overlapping run on the left, we get that bit of speed to just take that play away from him so that he can then drive with the ball. I think he's going to be the biggest beneficiary. Unless, of course, Ramsey takes his spot completely. <laughs> the, that is the staggering thing for me. Moreno, as I've just said, transformed the way Villa attacked last season down that left-hand side and was a big reason for us actually getting into Europe, I, I would say, Moreno. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said we needed a left-back at that point as a matter of urgency, but Emery obviously identified him as someone who would improve us and he absolutely did that. Ramsey is a huge player. You know, in terms of goal output, in terms of ball carrying and close mm-hmm. control and just ga- just game intelligence and actually diligence defensively as well. I think Ramsey and McGinn, when they both play on the flanks, are both very, very diligent going going the other way, which not all attacking players are. Yeah. They're huge, huge misses down that left-hand side. That's you playing a whole season without your first choice left-hand side so far, which makes it even more amazing where we are. You mentioned earlier the, the Newcastle game. Um, where Emery sort of cooked up a bit of a plan for them and, and basically used their sheer level of aggressiveness against them, sort of drew them towards you. And then sort of with Brighton cut, as well. Cut, yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same thing with Brighton. He did it with Newcastle first last season and he's done it twice to Brighton. Just use the aggression against them. And I thought, I mean, it was a while ago, so I'm scratching the memory banks. But my, my recollection is that Ramsey was the best player on the pitch against Newcastle. Yeah, he was the match. And the reason was... Because when you're able to draw Newcastle onto you and then Mings was able to play that ball, he can just dig in, swivel and go. And he's broken. He's, bro- he's breaking into open field and he's just running with the ball. And like that blend of physicality, ball carrying and the ability to that win that duel and swivel. And then obviously the ability to just go and either play the, play the pass or, or just shoot and score. We don't have it. Like Zaniolo is like 50% of everything I've just talked about. Like he's he's... He's not it, is he? And you can just he's see... He's like, as well, so it's a different kind of yeah. playing that position in a different way. Yeah, he's playing at a different angle uh, and he, he can't he can't make the same run. And like, I just miss Ramsey so much. Like, I miss I miss them. Obviously, I miss all, all of them, but I miss the left side. But Ramsey's just... It, it goes beyond having a really talented kid come through the academy and play for the team. He's just... He's got a unique skill set in the context of this team. Uh, yeah. It's just... I, just can't wait for him to be back. He just takes you up a level. He's played about 15 minutes of football and he's got more, he's got more goals than Saniolo because he came on against Brighton, didn't he, and scored. And that's, you know, that's one of the only criticisms I would have of Villa so far is that just, just from those little pockets and those areas, we, we've just lacked that cutting edge. Um, it's just that, and we've got goal scorers galore, but I just want a bit more, I'm used to a bit more, right? Because last season we had Buendia, we had Ramsey, but everyone, everyone chipped in. Yeah, at the moment it's Douglas Louise and Watkins. Yeah, DRB obviously DRB a bit, but he's time as well. Yeah, yeah, three goals, three assists. He's, he's been great, yeah. um, but a lot of his good work hasn't necessarily come in the build-up to goals. 
No. A lot of it is just ability to ride a tackle and, and, and surge into space. Well, that stagger me because it's key passes is the metric that he comes out on, on top. Of. I think he might even come up. I saw something about him being top of the whole Premier League or something for chances created or key passes or something. Yeah. I saw so the other day. I saw it was on the the other 14. Do you follow that? The other yeah, 14. Yeah, that was what I saw. Yeah. And it was he, an open play chances created. He is top of the other 14. That's that 22 it. chances created. That's not really something that you, you think about. You think of his raw pace and his dribbling ability and his, yeah. his skills. You don't really think about passing and his, his capacity, but he's just so heavily involved in this yeah. going forward. He's been, been an exceptional signing. So we'll finish there. But I think yeah. the, the overall conclusion is, I mean, you said you were a little bit scared, but I think you are excited. You don't you don't want to admit it. But I think we're in, we're in a good place going into a, a big run of games, which is good. Just got a very nervous natural disposition, Dan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> What can I do? I'm scared of everything. <laughs> no, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be, we're going to know more about this Villa side. We're a good team, whatever happens. And I think we're going to have a very good season, whatever happens. But I think after these next four games, I think we'll be able to sit here definitively and say, this is what we're going for this season. If, oh God, if we beat Arsenal or Manchester City, I think the roof will come off at Villa, at Villa Park. I really think it'll, it'll, it'll come alive. So yeah, really, really looking forward to, to the upcoming fixtures. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Sorry I haven't involved you as much as I normally do, but I was just having a lovely time with Sam, to, to, to be honest. I, I apologise profusely for not involving those in the chat, except for when some people mentioned Sam's beard. Then I then I brought you in as, as much as I could. So apologies for that. We'll rectify that moving forward. Thanks to Sam for joining me. It's first time on the channel, actually. I don't know why on earth I've never had him on before. But yeah, thanks to Sam for coming on and talking to me. And I'll see you in the morning, Sam, for our, our Who Scored podcast. That's right. Bright and early. Yeah, and then that'll be... If you, if you don't subscribe to, to Who Scored, Edge of the Box podcast that Sam and I do, do weekly, then... Come and check that out as well. It's a Premier League-centric podcast, but we do talk about Villa a fair bit on there as well. So, yeah, go on YouTube and subscribe to that. But make sure you're subscribing to 1874 as well with your post notifications on. Leave us a comment as well if you're watching this video and tell us how far you think Villa can go this season and also, you know, what you think of the next four games. Are you as excited as I am? Just do all the good stuff that you can do, whatever platform you're taking in this podcast. Dave Reid and myself will be here for a match preview live on Friday morning, I believe. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And yeah, have a very good rest of your Wednesday night. And as always, up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.